Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 30th. Learn to cooperate with others, even if their interests are different from your own. Never surrender a principle, however, no matter what the consequences to yourself. Your guiding light all your life should be not egoic self-interest, but God's will. Were you even to be burned at the stake for your loyalty to the truth as you understand it, remember this. Truth alone, in the end, will free you forever from all suffering. It's very interesting. Learn to cooperate with others, even if their interests are different from your own, but never surrender a principle. Um, Swami Kriyananda's was often very challenging to live with and work with because his vision was very expanded, and his sense of the possible was limitless. His sense of the possible sometimes seemed impossible, is how I would put it. His sense of the possible was limitless. His energy was seemingly without bounds, even when he was elderly, even when his physical body was weak, he still had the power of his will and the power of his thoughts and of his determination to serve Master. And so it it, on many occasions, he would make suggestions that were not immediately obvious as to their practicality or implementability. And on more than one occasion, I resisted rather than embraced. But at a certain point, I finally thought of a way to to work with my own resistance, which in the end, I almost always ended up supporting and agreeing with what he wanted to do. In fact, I can hardly think of a time, I can't think of a time when I didn't eventually come to it. So I began to have to work with what would be my initial lack of understanding or my my initial inability um, to say yes because of my own resistances. I would ask myself not what is Swami proposing, but what is Swamiji trying to accomplish? Because oftentimes, and he himself would say this, the, the idea he had for accomplishing something was not the best, was certainly not the only, and oftentimes was not even the best idea. It was just a good idea as a possible way to do it. And oftentimes when I started trying to think what is he trying to accomplish, not what method is he suggesting for accomplishing it, I could find the point of agreement between us, and then I could add creative energy sometimes even refine a good idea he had based on unique experience that I might have had or my perspective on the situation, as long as I was trying to cooperate with what he was trying to accomplish. And so that's why um, when Swami says, learn to cooperate with others, even if their interests are different from yours, when I figured that out with Swamiji and with his help, I began to figure that out also with other people whose ways of doing things, or who even their very ideas, were not always the same as mine. Even 
I wouldn't even say even within the context of Ananda, I will say especially within the context of Ananda, we are working, we are working with many, many strong-minded individuals, all of whom are trying deeply to tune in, not to egoic self-interest, but into God's will. And as we sometimes amusingly say, sometimes God can have many different wills. And they're not necessarily wrong. And the cooperation, when I began to think of, for one, one man in particular, I just, I could, never, I could never get in sync with him. It's just like, I, I don't know why. I loved him, we were very good friends, but somehow the way he went at things, I often found myself at loggerheads with him. And then finally, at Swamiji's suggestion, I started asking myself, what is he trying to accomplish? And in almost every case, what he was trying to accomplish is also what I was trying to accomplish. He was just going at it in a different way. And once I was standing at, at his ideal, at, at the good thing he was trying to do, very often I could find a way either to, to literally just support what he was trying to do or find a piece of what he was trying to do that I could cooperate with because we had shared ideals over here. Now, there have been occasions, but rare in my life, when, when what somebody really wanted to accomplish, I just didn't want to accomplish it. Um, I, I, have to, I have to think clearly about this. But I, I, I think there's rarely been an argument on principle. That's because, of course, I've lived my entire adult life within the context of Ananda. But nonetheless, even within the context of Ananda, because of our interface with other forces. You know, Ananda is a powerful and a positive force for good, but we're not loved by everyone. Within the, even within the spiritual community, we have, we have had theological differences with people who are close to us, but sufficiently different that, that we have theological differences, you know. These things get really dicey, don't they? I would say, not from us toward others, but others toward us. And Swami's just statement here, that you must always live by principle, and he puts it quite simply, well, he puts it quite challengingly, even if you're burned at the stake. Most of us can't just sort of contemplate with equanimity being burned at the stake. But we have to reach that point of strength within ourselves, that even Egoic self-interest extends to self-preservation. Self-preservation at the cost of our principles is suicide. And it's suicide on a level that matters much more than killing the body. It's, 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 a, it's a terrible breach of divine law to throw away the body in despair. And unfortunately, the karma of suicide is just simply um, that it doesn't work, that the suffering that, that, drove, that drives a person to commit suicide is not alleviated by suicide, and it's only complicated by suicide, and therefore all the suffering still has to be faced and worked out. Um, that's, that's the consequence. It's serious, but it's not more than that. It just means that sooner or later we have to gather the courage to face into the truth of divine law, that whatever we are suffering is an appropriate, balanced, 
to other things that we have done in our life, and that if we face it with courage, God's grace will come and will take us through. Now these are not lessons that can be learned just by my saying it to you, or anybody saying it to you, or you saying it to somebody else. They're lessons that can only be learned when we ourselves have put ourselves into that situation and tested it out for ourselves. So Swami says here, better to be burned at the stake than to give up your principles. Uh, In theory, I deeply believe that. In fact, I pray with all my heart to have the strength to do it. One of the most famous burned-at-the-stake stories that everyone knows is Joan of Arc. And a very interesting but less-known fact about Joan of Arc is that she panicked at a certain point and repudiated her visions. That was the, the, I think it was church authority, wanted her to repudiate the fact that she was directly guided by God. And she was so abused in prison and so frightened that she did repudiate her visions for, I believe, about 24 hours. And then was so horrified by what she did, what she had done, because her visions were true. And in repudiating her vision, she was repudiating God in order to please man. And, and she was so ashamed that she, she called her accusers back in and, re, and repudiated her repudiation. And as a consequence, was burned at the stake. Now, Master says something very interesting. He says, if you're martyred for truth, if you're martyred for God, you don't suffer. Now, whether you, you, you go through the physical experience but don't feel any pain, or as many people find who are in deep accidents, dramatic accidents, very often people will say, the two cars were coming head to head, but just before the impact, I left my body and I was above. And I watched the whole scene, and then at a certain point, I came back into my body. The Master says, if the, when the soul knows that the body is about to be destroyed, it will often exit just before, just before that point. There's a, a, a very interesting story told from the life of Edgar Cayce, who was a psychic in the 1940s and 50s, very powerful um, psychic abilities. And also he was, a, he was a very saintly man. So his powers were God-given. It was not egoic-driven. He was a very saintly man. And he, he was in a, an office building, or a, some kind of a building, multiple story. And he, was, he pushed the button for the elevator, and the elevator door opened, and it was going down, which is where he needed to go. But he, there was just a force. He just looked in the elevator, and he, he didn't know why, but he just couldn't step into the elevator. So the door closed, and it started down. The cable broke, and everybody in the elevator was killed. Which, you know, this all happens in a matter of a moment. And then, after that happened, Edgar Casey realized that normally when he sees people, they have the aura of their life force around them. The soul creates... Uh, a vibrant force of light that that someone like him, he could see it. He said no one in the elevator had an aura. In other words, in in less than a minute, all those people were going to be out of their bodies and the, the life force had already withdrawn. And he didn't cognize it. It just looked so peculiar to him that it stopped him in his tracks. It wasn't his time to die also. 
but it just stopped him because something was so off about the picture and he didn't have time to put it into a concept until it was put in front of him. Now, isn't that interesting? So there is also that, and can we depend on it? I would like to depend on it. If we cling powerfully to the, to the truth of the divine that is in us, God will support us. Because you see, we're not loving an abstraction. We're loving a reality. What we do in our devotion to God is we, at the beginning, we affirm a, a reality. We visualize a reality. We pray for the reality. But eventually, we experience the reality. And when affirmation becomes experience, that's when we simply can't repudiate it. Perhaps in a moment of weakness, as Joan of Arc felt, but we can't hold to that. We, we must come back to it because it's the only way. Truth alone is the only way to end our suffering. And we find in our own minds that to, to violate truth is so painful that no other pain is worse. And, you know, these are the, uh, the this is what it means to grow spiritually, is, is to have these values within us so deeply based on our constant practice of these values that it's not even a matter of faith. It's, it's just a matter of fact. I simply can't do that because the consequence of it would be catastrophic to me, to my heart, to my life, to my soul. It's, it's not even a temptation. One might have anxiety about the consequences. It, the human heart might quail. But that anxiety is not sufficient to cause one to cross that line. So Swami says, Learn to cooperate with others, even if their interests are different from your own. Never surrender a principle, however, no matter what the consequences to yourself. Your guiding light all your life should be not egoic self-interest, but God's will. Were you even to be burned at the stake for your loyalty to the truth as you understand it, remember this. Truth alone in the end will free you forever from all suffering. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.